we have a, a saying in the Techno Tactical Academy. Basically, for most of the courses we did there, that everything starts and ends with awareness. And in this case, awareness of yourself. This is Glenn Murphy with NC Sistema, and this is Sistema for Life. Joe, so good to have you back on the show. Thank you, Glenn. And first off, um, I'd like to thank you and express you my gratitude for, for this amazing asset to the whole Sistema community, which is your podcast. Really, I know it's hard work, and um, kudos to you, man. Every episode gets better and better and better. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thank you very much for everything you do. Oh, yeah, you're most welcome. I'd yeah, do my best. From Certainly improved a little bit from the early days where I could barely figure out how to work the microphone. So <laughs> always a work in progress, right? Trying to understand your limitations. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so um, so I really wanted to talk to you. I was glad that we managed to um, get back in touch again, um, kind of on two fronts. Obviously, you're a system instructor, you're a lifelong martial artist, and you have perspectives on how you can kind of use that um, warrior mindset and the kind of conditioning, both physical and psychological, to help deal with kind of uncertain times and difficulties that are going on, of course, which everybody's experiencing right now. Um, but also in your other capacity as a professional security consultant and planner, right? You, you, you're used to looking at the big picture for security and um, kind of short-term, near-term and long-term kind of issues with that. Um, and kind of your take on the practical things that people can and should be focusing on in order to stay calm and stay safe during these like multiple crises that are unfolding day after day, it seems, in our, in our current environment. So it's kind of like twofold, really. So first off, I guess, um, could you just introduce yourself a little bit? You've been on the show before, so some of you, some um, listeners might have heard your previous podcast, and I encourage people to go back and listen to that one as well. Um, but if not, can you just give us an overview of kind of um, who you are and what you do? Sure off. Um, so my name is Joe Gare. I was born in Colombia. I grew up in a variety of places, including the Caribbean, including Venezuela, which is now popular <laughs> <laughs> for not so good reasons, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. um, Infamous. <laughs> uh, yeah, I spent a great, uh, you know, the golden decade from 20 to 30 in Israel, mm. where I uh, worked in the, in the security field and in the military field. I'm an officer with the IDF, the Israel Defense Forces. Mm. And uh, I worked in the intelligence community for many years. And since 2004, I moved to the US. And 2005, I discovered Sistema through a, uh, one of my mentors, James Williams, who was one of the first practitioners here in the US who went out and uh, traveled to, to Moscow and met you know, Vlad first off in Toronto, et cetera. Mm. Then he introduced me to David Merrill, who's one of my dear teachers as well. And yeah. you know everything else is history. So been doing uh, this training and this learning really for around 15 years and um, loving it. You know, it's like a, it's like a good wine. It gets better each year. Yeah, there's one so of the... That's me. Um, I live in Miami. I have a family, four daughters, a wife, uh -huh. two dogs, and, <laughs> um, you know, grateful to, to be living in these days and uh, to be healthy today, mostly, you know? Yeah, definitely. These situations... Put us put everything in perspective, and you understand what is really important to you in life. Yeah, definitely. So that's, that's one aspect of what the um, the pandemic and the resulting kind of isolation measures and things have done is that it's on the one hand kind of stopped people from living their daily lives, um, and a lot of people, some people's work has been deeply affected, and some people 
Um, not so much, right? They're just kind of going about the same kind of telecommuting type stuff that they used to do. Um, but it's it's given everybody a little bit more time. Even the people that were working and running out and are still working as well, they've had more time because they're not traveling so much. They've had more time to spend with their families. Maybe their kids are at home because they have to be homeschooled or like uh, do tele-education because of the schools being shut down. And it's, and it's forcing people to think about things, I think, in a way that they might not have done before. It's, it's easy to stay distracted and just kind of bum through life from one day to the next, earning the money, paying the bills, planning a holiday somewhere down the line, rinse, lather, repeat, right? And never really doing any deep um, self-examination. Um, so what's what has your experience been of going through this? Um, and how have you seen other people reacting to this kind of enforced self-examination that COVID has put upon us? Yeah, so look, these are, you know, life during COVID, right? These are these are really interesting times. Um, they're challenging times. You know, many people are suffering both on the physical health issues, you know, those who, are, who got sick yeah. or have been sick with other illnesses and have not been able to receive proper treatment because, you know, kind of like all the hospitals went into COVID mode, Yeah, uh, which is a problem in and of itself. But uh, anyway, so many people suffering both in the physical level, of course, in the mental and, and psychological realm as well. Like you say, being together in a house with the kids and the spouses, and you know, it creates it can create friction, friction, right? Yeah. If we allow that to happen, and of course, the financial aspect to this, right? Many yeah. people without job, without, and and really, um, you know, the way I can describe it is much noise in the system, right? At, at, in a general level, from the early days, we had a lot of misinformation, disinformation. Yeah, um, it always reminds me of the. You know, uh, in military studies, we always study Calvin Clausewitz, right, in the realm of uncertainty. So this is literally the realm of uncertainty. He, of course, referred to the battlefield. But um, can, can you explain that a little bit? So I'm not sure how many people outside of the military will be uh, familiar with that. Yeah, so so Calvin Clausewitz was a German um, general, actually, and he was also like a, kind of like a philosopher. And he went deep into. He, he wrote a book called On War, hmm. and it's kind of like a mandatory reading for you know officer schools in many different uh, militaries, I'm sure, in the, the UK and in the US, I know for sure. In Israel, we have it as well. Yeah. And he talks about, you know, the, the problems of uncertainty, especially in the battlefield and how you, how can, you know, soldiers at the end of the day do their mission despite all this uncertainty. And he talks about things like microtasking. And anyway, we can get into that. Mm. But um, the way we can relate to that with the current situation is is really that, right? I think what stresses people most and all of the above we talked about financially, medically, et cetera, is that uncertainty, right? And there's no really good information, no good sources. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there's no patience. People are suffering. And, uh, you know, we start getting into what we call pointing fingers, right? And we had, um, you know, people start coming with, uh, you know, why did you do not do this? You know, and, and patience yeah. starts really growing sh short. And so one of the things that, that we thought about is with a, you know, a few friends of mine is like being, you know, coming from this, from these warrior ex traditions and both from the military, from the martial arts, of course, mm. how can we step up to the plate and, and really help others in this time, right? Yeah. What is better? Why are we training if not for, for service, right? For serving. Yeah, that's one of the really good reasons to to be doing what we do, and and this is the time where we are really needed because we've been training so long for all these, you know, situations that we have something to to contribute to the rest of the people. So hmm. going back to the pointing of fingers, so it always yeah. reminded me of uh, we had um, 
a saying. I, one of the roles I had in the IDF was uh, I spent almost a, a little bit over a year in the as a commander in the IDF uh, school for officers. Yeah. In the training training cadets to become officers, and these are a little bit different than here because these are not. You know, everybody starts as a soldier. You do three years, and then some of them get selected and they get sent. It's a, it's a mandatory compulsory service. Sure. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, we had a saying there, and it's all about values and you know leadership and all these things. And one of the things that we had is that when you come, you know, talking about soldiers and commanders, and then you know, commanding officers to their teams. But this is very relevant today with our spouses, with our kids, right? We come to someone with a complaint, with pointing the finger and saying, why did you not do, I don't know, such and such and such, right? Yeah. Pointing the finger at someone. And it's interesting to understand that you're pointing one finger at the person in front of you, mm. but you're really pointing three fingers back at yourself, mm. right? So how yeah. could you have made the situation better? Where is your responsibility in the situation, right? How can you diffuse it? Did you give the right instructions? Did you communicate properly? So there's a yeah. lot of... It's like a whole met metaphor for many things that I see happening today where really because of the friction and everything we talked about, there's a yeah. lot of problems happening at home. I mean, I guess it's, uh, that's, that's an excellent analogy because it's all too easy, I think, especially when there's, like you said, a dearth of concrete intelligence on things, right? If we knew exactly how the virus was transmitted from the beginning, and even now there's still arguments about how you know transmissible it is whether if you're pre-symptomatic or asymptomatic how bad it is versus other stuff and and of course like the you know the r naught and the um transmission rate keeps going up and down based on how people are behaving so there's not like one concrete set of guidelines that people can put out and so it's that the goalposts keep shifting so in that situation where we can't get a solid handle and be like okay let's stop observe orient ourselves to the situation, right? And then make a concrete decision about how we're going to act. Okay, I'm going to stay in for this fixed amount of time until this happens, and then I'm going to reorient myself and then do something else. We're trying to do that. We're trying to make these decisions for like the medium, the long term. And and then the goalposts keep shifting. So in that environment, it's all too easy just to outsource the blame to the people giving the information, right? And say, oh, the, the government is terrible. The World Health Organization are terrible. The media are terrible. I mean, we can probably all agree that there's something terribly wrong with the media, but you can't point all the blame at the media and say they're the reason why this whole thing is going to crap because presumably the media is variably good or bad in all kinds of different countries in the world and there's almost no country in the world that's handled this perfectly right there's a few that have done better than others like new zealand but they've got an easier kind of security bracket and they got in very very early and they're very very organized and the people are kind of a little bit more malleable with things with government control yeah. and stuff like that but nobody's handled it perfectly and everybody has had trouble with this so it can't just be that you know the media are terrible. It can't just be that one person in government failed, right? There's there's a lot of different aspects to this, and and that outsourcing of blame is something I think that's very natural. Somebody just wants somebody to blame. They're like, how dare my life be changed and uprooted? Somebody must to be blamed for this, right? Instead of how am I going to deal with it now? They want to start point, you know, right away, point fingers. I'd like to take a minute to thank everyone who has contributed to the show, all our listeners, and to everyone who's offered requests, encouragement, and feedback along the way. I also need to ask a quick favor. We have already enjoyed two years of high-quality interviews, insights, and ideas on Systema for Life. We'd like to keep the show going, and we want to keep it open to all, but we need your help to do it. It takes time, effort, and more than little cash to produce a podcast, more than two grand a year at current hosting and production rates. We have no paid advertising, and we do it all off our own backs with help from listeners and generous supporters like you. 
So if you're a fan of Sistema for Life and you get real value from the ideas and the conversations we create, then please take a few minutes now to subscribe at www.ncsistema.com support. Support at whatever level you feel like you can afford. Even $3 or $5 a month is a help. Think of it as buying us a beer or a cup of coffee once a month for our travels. So visit ncsystema.com support and use the buttons on the page to select your preferred monthly or annual support level. You'll receive a confirmation on sign-up and you can cancel at any time. Your support really does help ensure the survival of the show. With gratitude, thank you very much. Glenn, at the, at the individual level, yeah, you know, layman like like me, and I mean, you're much more. I mean, you're you're into the sciences, and so you you get all these numbers and facts and, and information that you're getting. Maybe you have the ability to discern what is right, what is not, what makes sense, what doesn't. Yeah. But for a regular guy like me, boils down goes back to I think it was Aristotle, right? All I know is that I know nothing. Right? <laughs> yeah. And uh, and you know, even if you know all of the above and what have you. You know, we have to really understand. I think that's also one of the problems that we're seeing is uh, you mentioned the media. Undoubtedly, you know, people being forced to stay home with nothing but the TV in many cases, right? Yeah. In a metaphor, we have, you know, as that train, we know that even in a confined space, we can do so much training or whatever, right? but sure. many people, all right, John, hope what I'm going to do. So they turn the TV on and that turning the TV on or in today's world, also social media, yeah. It's just a stressor that is nonstop and people have this on for hours and hours and they're glued to that. So no, no wonder they're getting stressed. Yeah. There's one thing that I was going to tell you is that, you know, we have to figure out what are the things that we can't control? Mm. What are the things that we cannot control? I saw that from the beginning, you know, they're talking about the WTO and the CDC and this guy said, what can I do about it? Can I control that in any way, shape or form? No. You know, right. maybe in the next elections I can vote for blue or white or yellow yeah. or orange or whatever I want to do, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, I meant A and B. I didn't sure. mean to sure. bring out colors because I know colors can get tricky in today's sure. crazy environment, you know? Sure. Okay. <laughs> so I don't want to go there. But, um, you, but you hear what I'm saying. So, so yeah. today, is this something that I can, I can control? No. So why not focus on things that I can control? What can I control, for example? Mm. And that brings me back to another great Japanese... Um, axiom or proverb which is and i'm sure you're familiar with this one is mizo no kokoro right mm -hmm. mind like still water yeah that's something the that heart you can of do water like yeah breathe mm -hmm. meditation etc and, and the metaphor is beautiful right you have um when you look at yourself in in a lake that in the water is still if the water is still then you see a clear reflection of yourself mm. but if there's a little if you blow or if you do a little bit of waves with your fingers that's going to distort the image and you're not going to be able to see that so yeah, the samurai, and I've been learning this with with my again my teacher James Williams for many years. Uh, for the samurai, it was a matter of of life or death, being able to clear the mind, put all the emotions aside, you know, anger, frustration, everything we talked about before. Put it aside. Look at the problem they had in front of them, which was another, mm. you know, person with a sword uh, with intent to come and chop him off, mm. and they had to be in that state of mind of clarity so that they understood what was in front, you know. Yeah. In our terms of training, right? What were they? What were they probably looking at? Mm -hmm. Distance, timing, vectors, right? Sure. And uh, getting out of the way, moving with deception, and, and being victorious. You know, like uh, Miyamoto Musashi, for example. Sure. But uh, this whole concept of Mizuno Koko, I think, is really important today um, for for people to apply and to and to practice because it gives you 
clarity. It gives you um, a state of mind that is, you know, it just gives you health as opposed to, again, being glued to the TV. And so then uh, the problem was, how do we help people get into this or even share the concept with, with people so that we can help them? Again, drawing from the warrior mindset as former warriors, martial artists, you know, what can we learn? Yeah. What can we do to spread positivity and help people, right? So mm-hmm. doing that, we came up with uh, an idea of doing um, a series of free webinars. Mm. And uh, we did about five of those, uh, alternating between English and Spanish, because those yeah. are the two kind of crowds that we have here in Miami anyway. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, so it was uh, interesting too, and it was a great experience, right? We brought in, um, I think the first one was called, the theme was um, dealing or how to manage with stress, and the other one, anyway, they had themes that you can go back and look at them right now. I'm, my short-term memory is not allowing me to, to do that. <laughs> <laughs> But um, basically what we did was we brought in a group of professionals in areas that could be of help. So in the first one, we had uh, a group of martial artists. Yeah. Okay, that was a really nice discussion. We talked about, you know, all these, all of the above, right? Breathing, how to manage tension. We had some great guys from the Sistema community in, um, in Peru, yeah. in Argentina. It actually, from all over Latin America, they were joining us. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, here from the U.S., and then on the other set of uh, webinars that we did, we brought in people from the um, we, a, a doctor. Mm-hmm. Okay, actually, in the first one, we also had uh, another system a practitioner practitioner who's also an, an amazing doctor, who's uh, Carlos, Doctor Carlos Alban from Colombia. Great mm-hmm. guy, great spirit. You know, fantastic, fantastic person. He was very, um, you know, very positive in all of his messaging and very real as well. Yeah. So the second one, we also had a, a doctor. So we took care of the right, medical advice and guidance and any type of questions that people could have. Then we brought in a psychologist mm. who was specializing in uh, family therapy, right? So what yeah. can you do at the family level to avoid that friction? She was very keen on, on, the, on the communication side of things. She's like, don't hold things up. Communicate, communicate. And yeah. you know what? That's actually something we bring in from the military as well. When, when you know, communication is critical. Yeah. And they're saying that in situations like these with uncertainty and et cetera and friction at home, we have to communicate even more than we do on a regular basis, right? Sure, my wife and I normally have this process where we kind of check in on a Sunday night. It's kind of like the, the, the weekly family meeting type thing. We've got the kids into bed, they're doing their thing. And we're like, okay, what's this week look like? We've we've been doing this for years, really, right? What does this week look like? What are you doing? What are the big things that we have to hit? Where's the childcare handoffs happening? You know, where you have to look after them while I'm doing something else and all these kinds of things. Um, and then kind of where can we kind of put in time where we can do things that are restorative and you know allow time for each other like on your own and together and other things like that as well and stuff that you know be proactive about what we're doing with the kids but that's we've had to do those every two days now right we, so we used to do them once a week but we realized that it's shifting too much yeah that is amazing planning hmm. but also when it comes to to you know tactical problems or sporadic things that you know yeah. you know what i wanted to go out for a walk today and uh but i don't want to go and then, you know, I felt mad and blah, blah, blah. You know, these little things that bother us because we're now together 24-7, sure. yeah. little things that if you communicate them in, you know, with respect and with everything else, yeah. you can mitigate them. If you just keep them in your stomach yeah. and then tomorrow another one and tomorrow at some point, boom, right, it's going to explode. Yeah, that's so what I'm anyways, saying. So, so it's shifted, shifted to a more 
day-to-day thing that's what i was saying like we realized that 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 weekly plan that used to work is no longer it's too rigid right it's too waiting for a week to express what it is that you need to do is no good because from day to day everything's just so inflammable now you know (laughs) things can change all the time absolutely yeah but yeah but so definitely that's that's another topic that's very important right so the the the, um, mental well-being of the people today right so we had that psychologist then we brought in uh, somebody to talk about um, cybersecurity because mm. guess what? We're all working, you know, via Zoom, doing transactions from from your home. Yep. Sometimes using your work computer. So what can you do to be better protected in that realm as well? Mm. And uh, and then physical security as well. You know, back in the early days of this whole process, we you know some of us that have had experiences with with situations with cows never discard completely the possibility of actually what we're seeing today. Which all, all these riots and violence and what have you, sure. which again, uh, we can get, you know, we're not going to get into those discussions, but, hmm. you know, it happened because of a reason. There was a trigger there, but yeah. I'm betting, um, and again, I'm not, you know, analyzing this too much, but I'm willing to bet that this was kind of like a, an excuse to bring this violence that we're coming out because, you know, people are in this situation for so long, at some point, you're going to explode, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so, they, and so they took it's this just kind of happened the, the straw that broke the camel's you know, back, right? It's one more thing that happened. thing that happened with, yeah. with, with, you know, with, with the situation with, with Floyd. Hmm. You know, that's the whole different situation. And of course, you have to, you know, definitely investigate it. And, you know, you know justice has to be made. And, and yeah. it has to be, it has to be, you know, a whole system that's going to take care of that. And then, of course, there's a very good discussion to have about the whole ratio. So all that is good. Yeah. And protests, everything is welcome. Yeah. But in my, in my thinking, all these riots and all these violence that we're seeing is something completely different. But anyway, so we're not going to go to the reasons, but mm. fact is you have to, again, when you, when you talk about planning and these type of situations, so you start kind of like planning for that, you know? Yeah. So anyway, so that was, uh, that was the webinars we did. And, um, so were those successful after it, the fact for people that couldn't uh, make them, did you record them and make them accessible or was it just live only at the time? Or was it? No. So, uh, yeah, so we did record them. They're actually, if you go to my, YouTube, you know, Sistema Miami. Yeah. Um, YouTube, you'll see them there. You can you can watch them. And they were. I actually encourage you to do that. They were really good discussions, uh, and they're relevant even today. You know. So yeah, that'd be great. Again, if, yeah, I'll put those in the show Spanish notes. And English. Yeah, that'd be great. Awesome. If, you, if you're if you're okay with that, I'll put them in the show notes. Yeah, so absolutely. Can, for listeners sure. can listen. Actually, I, for myself, I then, signed up for a couple of them, and then last minute there were childcare stuff, and I'm like, ah oh, man, and I couldn't. Yeah, I, know, I couldn't all, attend the actual thing. So for me, I'm like, great, I get to watch it afterwards. These these are yeah. free. They're again, they're like a service. You know, or, or mm. little grain of salt to hopefully help someone in this situation and yeah. of course they're still available That's and then excellent. what we did is also we started doing a, a few breathing classes um which you know for the first time doing them online and to my surprise as well we've got people from all over the place yeah and uh, guess what you know um that that very natural thing that we call breathing that we all you know know how to do since we inhale and come into the world and then exhale and leave the world and everything in between yeah um is not that is not that um, that well understood mm. by many many people? You know, actually, the power of breath is something that people, when you start showing them different approaches and exercises, they're like, "Wow, I couldn't, can't believe that!" Just breathing and, and being aware of my breath and doing such and such has so many impacts that can actually help my life in so many different ways. You know, so anyway, yeah, yeah, did some breathing classes, of course, with uh, Sistema breathing. Actually, the first class is a. Uh, I call it an introduction to the seven Sistema principles of breathing, which is, you know, they're all represented in that every breath. Yeah. It was just, you know, one push-up, one leg lift, and one squat after some 
theory, theory and, and, and talk about, you know, the principles, give them some, some realistic practice and, you know, the feedback was really, really good. Yeah. I'm actually, also, I think I mentioned to this, I mentioned to this, I mentioned this to you offline. I actually read a book uh, on breathing that is called Breathing for Warriors mm. um, by a lady called Dr. Belisa Varanich. Mm. And interestingly, she mentions Vladimir Vasilyev and let every breath in her introduction. So yeah, <laughs> when right. I said that, I'm like, I'm, okay, I'm interested. And uh, she actually gets very, very technical into the whole breathing, you know, the muscles that we use in the diaphragm. So it's uh, for anyone who's interested in that, you know, going into deeper, um, deeper into in understanding this, I think it's a great book. So I highly recommend it. Cool. And then, yeah. of course, the other thing that we brought into this was also the, the Wim Hof. You know, I did a seminar and I've been practicing, you know, some of his methods and cold ice, et cetera, for yeah. a little over two years. And then of course we've been doing, you know, dowsing with this demo for many years before that too. But uh, anyway, so that was kind of like the approach to breathing and very, very interesting. Actually in this book, this lady is saying that, um, you know, there's now much more research into this field of breathing and, mm -hmm. you know, elite athletes are, are noticing that this is actually extremely important for their performance. Game changer. And what, she's, yeah. <laughs> what she's betting is that in the next, she's, I don't know when she wrote the book, but she's saying that in the next 10 years, um, we're, she's betting that we're going to see an increase in the interest of these breathing classes and breathing mm -hmm. methods, et cetera, et cetera, because it takes a while to go from the academia to the practical implementation in in you know sure. all yeah all these Definitely. yeah it's been, it's been interesting how many um to see that um shift in emphasis you know that i mean part of this has come out of necessity when the system instructors were denied the ability to smack each other around and wrestle with their students and all this kind of stuff uh, there was a kind of like a, a refractory period where a lot of people just kind of shut down they were like i guess we're not going to do anything what's the point you know we need people to push and pull around just go off and do your own work you know how to work on your own you can breathe and do all these things and just study on your own and then when this thing's over in like a month or something this was seemed to be the mindset right then we'll come back together and we'll resume training and then only when it became clear that this thing wasn't going to be over in a month that we're looking at the long term i mean some of it out of practicality there are instructors who you know they teach and they need the money for a living so they're like well i need to do something and retain my students um but a good number of people i think from the point point of view of asking the question like well what can i offer now right if we're not teaching self-defense <clears throat> really if that's not the primary reason why we're training right now what what should the emphasis be and how much of that can i deliver through a zoom screen with somebody with no equipment and they're just in their living room or whatever they're doing. And, and it's been really interesting to see the differing responses between different types of instructors from one end of the spectrum. Like what's the point? I'm not going to do anything. Just kind of pack up all the toys and throw all the toys out the pram and just give up. You know, like some people have done that and people at the other end have been extremely proactive, um, including, you know, Vladimir and Emmanuel Manolakakis and lots of other great instructors and yourself oh, you know, who immediately asked like, well, what's, where's the value and what can we give people? What do people actually need now? What they need right now is not like a hard, workout and like a self, you know the ability to get out of a leg lock and turn it around and strangle somebody <laughs> you know maybe that'll be useful at some point but probably the more pertinent skill at the moment is this ability to foster this mizu no kokoro right and, and, and to still yourself to understand your part in the problem to understand your emotions and your fears and and the real root of why we train systema in the first place that whole aspect of knowing yourself and it's and it's been really heartening to see how that's grown and how much richness has come out of it with different instructors offering different perspectives. And I mean, Vladimir's classes alone have just been inspiring and profound. Like every single one, you're like, Poof. that was just You know incredible. what I've noticed, Glenn? Yeah. Mm. I've noticed that, uh, you know, there's pros and cons to everything in life, you know? Yeah. And 
And of course, not, there's nothing like training in person, but this training, you know, Vladimir's classes via Zoom hmm. are just phenomenal. And I, you know, I haven't been able to, to check out Martins or, or um, Emmanuel and all these other hmm. great instructors that we have, but I did attend uh, a couple with Vlad and, and one with Mikhail. Yeah. And uh, the level of detail, you know, picture this, when you're in a big room with, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 people, you can't yeah. really see what, ha- but having them all on a screen, yeah, and he has, you know, he has extremely good observation. So he's yeah. looking at everyone there, and he's like, um, you know what? Hey, Glenn, you, you, you <laughs> your shoulder. Hey, John, I'm not you know judged. What? You know, it's hey, like, but, I'm like, I'm like, I thought at least maybe he can't see me. I can get away you. with it, but he's, he's just like, Glenn, your shoulders. Well, and I'm like, oh, okay. So, so he's actually seeing everything that you're doing. I think even better than in, in person, especially in a huge seminar of 200 people. Yeah. And on the other hand, um, having him on the first plane, you know, zoomed in on the screen, you can really see what's going on. Whereas again, if you're in a seminar, you're in the third or fourth row, yeah. sometimes you miss something. So, you know, these are really good gems. I actually see that also. I've done, um, I've actually done a few other classes uh, via Zoom, including we did one for Pistol Fundamentals when this whole thing got started and some people started waking up and saying, hey, this gets violent. I may, you know, need to have some type of firearm to protect my family if it gets to that. Sure. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Anyway, again, how are we going to do this via Zoom? You know what? Being able to put the, the the pistol in different angles and show different things mm. on on the camera that you mm. couldn't explain, you know, before to a large class mm. is also incredible. So anyway, there's there's pros and cons to this whole thing. Yeah. But you know that this whole Glenn, this whole this whole COVID time has really been a great opportunity to to learn. You know, it's a, it's a learning opportunity. Yeah. For me, some people, for example, we, we're not traveling anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or a lot of us, I haven't been traveling in you know record time. But I'm one of those guys who some people hate airports and traveling. I love being in an airport. You can put me in an airport anywhere in the world for, you know, four hours with a nice little coffee or a tea. And mm. I would just gladly sit down and watch people. Mm. I love doing it. You know, and, and just figure out, okay, this guy's hurrying up. This guy's nervous. This guy's pissed off. This guy's, you know. <laughs> looking, looking at human interaction is something that it's always been fascinating to me. So this has actually been an interesting opportunity this whole COVID time to, to really see another face of people, you know, online and offline. Mm. You see some crazy thing out there. You know, I've deleted a lot of people that, uh, you know, I didn't know, really know personally, but I'm like, all right, you know, I don't want to see any more, any more of that. And, and on the flip side, you've seen a lot of people doing a lot of great things as well, you know, like mm. showing up, stepping up to the plate. So yeah. very interesting opportunity. And it's a, it's a crucible, think- right? It reveals a lot of things. It's like when you put pressure on people, it reveals what their core values are to an extent, right? It's like you, you see what they default to. It's been said that you fall to, you know, you don't rise to the greatest level of your training, you fall to the lowest level, right? So if like, you know, you can have great skills and you can have the good technical ability and you can be, you know, great at doing dry fire work with a pistol and be ready to take people out and all that kind of stuff. But if you haven't really examined what it is that you're afraid of and what's going on, all of that can go out the window and become useless, right? Because the lowest level of your training didn't really cover how do you feel about things and what you're afraid of, right? That's it's a fundamental, it's a foundation upon which all the other stuff is built. A- and and going back to kind of like the emergency, you know, things we talked about before, like you can see by by the type of text messages you're receiving, by the posts these people are, you know, some of your Facebook friends, for example, are posting. Hmm. You know, when there's an emergency, something happens in a crowd, in a concert, you know, God forbid, or something like that. There's different types of people. There's people that are going to scream mm-hmm. and yell and then, you know, run like a chicken around themselves because and they're in complete panic. Yeah. And they actually help panic, 
spread to everybody else in the in the crowd yeah. and it creates a, a spiral effect which is dangerous mm. right it's extremely dangerous and then you have other people who center themselves breathe focus relax and then mm. kind of like they're part of the solution and not part of the problem and they're trying to calm people yeah. you know in different ways from touching someone to even maybe sometimes even slapping someone to yeah. calm them down because yeah. they keep yelling you know if, anyway so you can see that i mean i've been seeing that online for mm -hmm. the past three months and it's it's interesting right who are the people who are fostering this panic and, and sending you you know the latest um um what do you call that uh you know conspiracy theory or sure. yeah how many dead here how many dead there and blah blah blah, blah. so much stressors and then who yeah. are the people who are a little bit more calming sending maybe you know a picture of a beautiful flower or I'm going to give a shout out here to to my buddy Gene, you know, who's been all this time doing an amazing job and, you know, spreading out love and mm -hmm. calm. And uh, and there's many others like him, right? So mm -hmm. these these are the type of guys you 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 know I want to be around when there's an emergency like that. And anyway, so yeah, it's interesting and it really brings us back to uh, we're talking about offline. You know, what what can we talk about? And one of the themes that have been intriguing me at my 46 years of age, I turned 46 not too long ago, Yeah, uh, is really a, the, the topic of purpose, right? And, and why? What's the purpose, you know, of life? You know, what, what's important to me in life, right? Family, friends, work, mm. travel, you know, for some people spending. Listen, I don't know about you, but I look at my credit card statements in these last months. Yeah. What the hell are we spending on, you know? <laughs> you know when you see how much you've been saving, it's yeah. like, is it really necessary? Right. You know? Yeah. And so, or even like anyway, eating so, out and stuff now, you can't eat out. And I've been like, I've been saving a fortune not going to the pub yeah. and eating out and stuff. <laughs> it's, it's funny. In know, England, people don't eat out so much. In America, it's a big, it's, it's, you know, I noticed that on one of my first trips to America that people eat out a lot, you know, two, three times a week. And it's partly because the food is, there's like an inexpensive level of food, right? You can go out and you can get semi decent food for low money. Whereas in England, if you spend low money, you get terrible food. And if you spend big money, you get great food. And there's kind of nothing in between. There's not like a reasonable meal that you get for a reasonable price. It's like either you go out for a nice meal. Fish and chips. Or you leave it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, I won't, I won't have fish and chips this much. That's where I'm from. But it's, uh, you know, <laughs> but it's, um, but so anyway, but people kind of look to eating out as kind of a bit more of a special occasion in England, right? You go out if it's somebody's birthday, you go out if it's this and that. And if not, you either cook at home or you figure something else out. But here it's kind of eating out, not in the fast food way, but in the kind of casual dining thing is something you do with your family a couple of times a week, three times a week. So and having that taken away, people learned. are like panicky because they're like, oh, I have to make food at home. What am I doing? Lesson <laughs> learned from COVID, right? So yeah. eat at home, you're going to spend much less money, yeah. eat much more healthier, right? And yeah. you're going to spend quality time with your family what better than that you know sure so, yeah and of course every now and then special occasions like you say get out but anyway this is it's really interesting so so what is important to me in life and then also the flip side of that what are my fears right mm. and then you know also like as an instructor we, we start thinking about our, our students and and ourselves in, in our in our training of life right this is a non-stop uh non-stop um commitment that we've some of us have done which is never ending right we never stop learning to all our listeners and Sistema fans around the world NC Sistema have moved all of our regular classes online live streaming group classes via zoom most days at 6 30 p.m u.s eastern standard time plus daytime classes on tuesdays wednesdays and sundays please consider this an open invitation for you and your students to join us for the duration of covid 
We come together online to keep our skills and our groups alive. Payment is on a sliding scale relative to where you're at and what you can afford. Visit ncsystema.com slash online to sign up today. Join us. So on that on that part, on actually, that um, that why kind of thinking about your fears is I've, I've noticed an interesting progression. I think I noticed it in myself at the onset of this, right, when I saw it coming. And mostly because I was in com- communication with people in Europe, I have friends in England and in Spain, where it was hitting kind of two weeks ahead of what America was doing. And so I could see the, the ramp up and I'm like, there's no way we're going to handle this better than them. And probably we're going to handle it worse. So I could see that it was going to be bad. I could see the lockdown coming and I started planning online classes and things before we even had to, right? I was making the transition beforehand. But, um, but I could see in myself while I was doing that, that first couple of weeks of transitioning, I was... I had to really try and manage my emotions. I was, I could feel panic building and I realized that it's kind of sinking to that base level of that kind of Maslow hierarchy of needs thing, right? I, I felt that there might be an, not really a physiological threat. I knew enough about it that I, I wasn't actually worried about my own health or my family's health, really. Not immediately for my kids and stuff because I knew enough about the virus to be like, okay, it's, it's not that much of a threat to people who are like middle-aged or kids. Like It's more kind of how do we stop transmitting it to older people and vulnerable populations. I was worried about my elderly parents in Spain, definitely, um, but not from a physiological thing. But once I once that was satisfied, I read all these papers to be like, okay, the kids aren't a threat. I'm probably not a much of a threat. My family's not. So this is a practical issue. It's not a life or death one right away. And then I jumped straight to, oh God, how am I going to pay the mortgage and the bills if the Systema school collapses and I've got nothing and my other projects, my speaking and my writing all goes away because people just don't want any of it. And so I was scrambling for ages to get that. And then once I was satisfied that I had that covered, then I started to worry about how I'm going to spend my time and, you know, all those things. So it went all the way up that pyramid. And again, whenever there's a threat to somebody's livelihood, they will default to that. And that will be their fear immediately, regardless of what else is going on, right? So these kind of higher aspirations of like, hey, I should improve myself and do things. They go out the window when people feel like their livelihood is threatened, right? Or their safety is threatened. So, 100%. So again, yeah. you know, why it is that we're doing what it is, what we're doing. And being aware, you know, we, we have a saying in the uh, techno techno tactical academy yeah basically for most of the courses we did there that everything starts and ends with awareness you know mm. and in this case awareness of yourself so again going back to our students so and, and ourselves why are we training you know and there's very i think that's a very important question that not a lot of people um take the time to really stop and answer and and, and you know think about some can do it for self-defense some mm. protecting their families maybe they're a professional fighter a boxer an mma mm. um you know fighter Maybe they're doing it for the sport of it. Maybe they're doing it for the fitness of it. Sure. So all these reasons are great, but it, you, you're going to be a much better uh, chance of having, a, you know, getting rewarded with what you want from this activity if you really understand what you're doing. Hmm. And uh, for those for those who are interested, which in my case has been like I would say the majority of people that come and train with us, they're interested in self defense, right, or personal protection. But then. Um, if that's the case, it's really, really important to, to have a, a methodology of training that is relevant to that why. You yeah. know? Mm-hmm. So, so what I would, and, and this is something that I've been building lately, but, you know, something we, again, it would be really interesting to start with what, what I call a PRA or personal risk assessment. And, and that mm. tends to go from macro to micro um, in terms of awareness. So in a nutshell, I'll run you through it real quick. Yeah, sounds you know, great. So yeah. you, so... But if I'm if I'm doing it for yourself, right? Yeah, I'm helping you do it. So, all right, we're in the world. Let's take the picture, the Google Map or Google Earth, little yeah. 
planet Earth, right? Yeah. And then start and put you, type in your address, okay? And then watch it as it starts to slowly go in. All yeah. right, you were somewhere in Asia. It turned around. Now you're zooming into the Americas. Now you're zooming into North America. Now you're zooming into, in my case, Florida. Now you're zooming into Miami. Now you're zooming into this neighborhood. And boom, here's your house. And this is what it looks like, right? Yeah. So that's kind of like a, a metaphor or an analogy for the things you have to know about, right? Know about what's happening in your region, in your country, in your city, in your neighborhood, right? Mm. And even in your house, know your heart. Again, it ends down, you know, comes down to awareness. Mm. So what are those, right? And then as you do that, you understand what are the problems and all, and all of the above, right? So if I know that one of the problems in my country is instability and, you know, crime and then in my city it's really bad and then in my neighborhood it's uh, you know not that bad but but it, you know a mile and a half away from me there's you know really bad neighborhoods yeah and you know start getting into all these scenarios and then and then you do that with uh, not only with your house but with your place of work and then the place that you frequent i go to mm. this shopping center i go to this i go to the movies here i this is the place we go out and we have fun this is where my school you know and then you start really identifying where the risks are in all of these places and, mm. you know, potential vulnerabilities. And then you can start focusing on what is relevant. And then you can start creating a plan of action that is relevant to you, mm. hopefully in the fields or with elements of prevention. Yeah. Right? Because you want to avoid some of these things. If you know about them, again, it goes down to awareness. If you know about these problems, if you know that there are, you know, this area right here in town, which is not far from me, but it's on my way from work to home, but it's a really bad place. If I know that's a bad area and, there, and I really need to, to get money or, or put gas in my car. Yeah. If I stop in that gas station, if I go to that ATM, right? And if I have my iPods on and I'm sure. completely unaware of what's happening, and then I get mugged or robbed in the best cases, you know what? It's my fault. I could have prevented that right? sure. with a little bit of planning, a little bit of understanding of where I am in space. So, so, so in this so method, just to clarify, so you start, you start big, you start like what's going on in the world, and then you come down to what's going on in North America, then like North Carolina for me, and then it would be like, and that's kind of, it's funny, like in a weird intuitive way, that's kind of how I've, how I've kind of tried to approach it psychologically. You watch the news and you're like, all right, how is COVID spreading? What's going on with this? How are people reacting to it generally? What's the, what's the general threat level and how are people in general in the world responding to this as a as a stimulus for stress and for all those other things. And then like, how's North Carolina dealing with it? What's the governor doing here that's different to New York or different from other places? What are the rules here versus other places? And then you come down to the research triangle where I live, Raleigh, Durham, Chapel Hill. In Raleigh, there's been quite a lot of violence, right? They've had protests that have gone violent for one reason or another. There's been like white supremacist groups and all kinds of stuff. Um, and it's got nasty and, the, and there's been police going backwards and forwards and terrible things happening. In Durham, where I live, which is only about 30 miles away, there's been protests but almost no violence at all. Like the police are quite well integrated with the community. Everybody's just seemed to hold it together a lot better. So you kind of go through these waves of like, looks dangerous. How dangerous is it? Let's gen, you know, maybe it's a yellow on the code. Um, but then if I was to go into Raleigh and I've gone for like dental work and some other things, when I've gone into Raleigh, I felt that the tone is different and that there's just kind of the, the people, right? And when you look, watch people around you, they're more agitated. You can see there's like a tinderbox or something ready to kick off a little bit. And so you can look at that and then sort of say, okay, I'm either I'm not going to spend too much time in Raleigh or when I'm in Raleigh, I'm going to have that yellow alert on the entire time, right? I'm just going to be a little bit more careful about my interactions, a little bit, you know, more careful about how far I get from my car before I start checking things around, stuff like that. 
and the, and the more detailed you can be with that, Glenn, the yeah. better it is. So if I zoom in a little bit more, right? So we have so we have identified you know all of the above. We went to it from the macro in yeah. space to your little neighborhood and wherever it is you live. Um, actually, if I take your, you know, I was not too long ago in your neck of the woods, and I sure. got a chance to train with your amazing group and see your beautiful dojo. Yeah. And I know more or less where that is, right? So let's sure. say you're going from that place to the place we had a beer afterwards, or then we went. Yeah. So once you identify, it, it's really not that rocket science. You identify the places you frequent. You sure. understand the risk in those places, right? Yeah. And you try to mitigate them. Yeah. And then you also understand the the travel from point A to point B and what is around the, those areas, and you identify risk. Yeah. Um, now, identifying risk can, can be something that's saying, oh, maybe something can happen. But no, what I'm saying is deep really deep in, dive really deep into the details mm. if you know what does it mean that in this area there's a little bit of crime you know so going to google we all have you know more information that the president of the united states had uh only like 40 years ago or so right here in, our, in the palm of our hands right our, our yeah. smartphones just going to google going to i'm sure you can find crime crime statistics from your local pd mm. local police department etc that give you modus operandi you know who is doing from the bad guy, from the adversarial or the bad guy point of view, hmm. right? Who is doing what? What are their techniques? Are there are they robbing people using guns, using knives? Hmm. Do they come in pairs? Do they do you know where do they attack? So once you start seeing what is really happening in a detailed matter, yeah, then you can start understanding where you have risk. Hmm. You can start deciding how do you avoid and prevent most of that risk, hmm. and then you start preparing yourself for for things that can happen. You prepare for the unexpected, right? Yeah. That was actually one of the webinars we did. That was one of the titles, prepare sure. for the unexpected. Yeah. Anyway, so, and, and and if you think about that, you know, you know of guys who are coming, I'll give you, I'm going to divert for a second, but let's say if, if we post a, you know, if I do a, a rifle carbine pistol course and I post it online today, um, I can guarantee you a lot of guys are going to show up and sign up and say, wow, you know, this is cool. I want to do it. But then when you ask these people, you know, why are you doing this class? Hmm. Oh, because I want to defend myself. All right, hold on. Do your PRA, do your personal risk assessment. Hmm. Show me in there what scenarios are you considering to where this training in, in rifles is going to be beneficial for you and, and help you achieve your goal of personal protection, for example. Yeah, right. I mean, if you live somewhere where it's relevant, by all means, go ahead and do it. Hmm. Now, having said that, there's other folks that just want to do it because it's fun, which is sure. perfectly fine. But you need so to understand that. You need to be honest about that's why you're doing why. it. Yeah, if yeah. you want to go in and train and in you know in sistema or in some martial art or go shooting or do whatever it is because just because the you like it, hmm. by all means, have the fun of your life. Hmm. But understand why it is that you're doing it. And if you're here for self-defense or for personal protection, hmm. do yourself a favor. Understand understand intimately what are those. Uh, situations where things can happen to you, understand what it is that can happen to you, and then train for that. Yeah. If you live in an area, you know, in the UK, it's not that common to have somebody with firearms, right? Sure. Only the bad guys have firearms, by the way, right? Sure. Right. <laughs> Most of them. So, all right, it's good. so it's going to happen with a knife. All right, so sure. that's a scenario you can't avoid, you can't prevent that. So start training in knife defense in, in mm -hmm. a practical way. Anyway, so that's kind of like the you, you get so the just picture. To, yeah, just to, before we leave this real quick, um, I'm mindful of time. We, we want to get some more things into this. Just on a practical level, so I mean, some people will be thinking in terms of 
how do I plan for my security and for my family? And, and doing that kind of exercise, even if you do it on kind of a surface level, you just do it once drilling down to your house could make people feel kind of more secure. Like, All right, I've thought about it. And the risk assessment here seems to reveal that I'm probably okay. So maybe I can afford to be a bit less panicky and just take prudent measures and that kind of stuff. On the flip side, some people might feel like, oh, maybe I'm not in such a great place. Maybe I need to move or be extra careful of what, with what I'm doing. But there's, a, there's like a level of preparation which feels prudent. And then there's another level which feels paranoid, right? Where it gets into kind of like, oh, I'm just thinking about it all day long. What's what's a healthy level of concern? How, how do you train people to be aware, but not paranoid? So I think, again, going back to Mizuno Kokoro and, and putting all these emotions aside, be realistic, see what's happening, see what's going on and use judgment, you know? Yeah. Um, not more, not less, just prepare to your to the best of your ability. And by the way, this is something, like you said, once you create this uh, PRA, and you know, I'll throw a little insert, a little promo here. You know, if you want help with this, we'll be happy to do it. Just check out Sistema Miami and contact us.com or proactiveandprepared.com. Great. But yeah. um, what I wanted to share, share with you is that once you create this, once you go through this work with yourself and you create this document, hopefully, it doesn't mean that you put it away and that's it. This mm. will evolve. It's a working document. It's a living document, right? Yeah. So tomorrow something's going to change. So you adapt it, right? And again, the the as long as you understand why it is that you're doing what you're doing, right? And and I have a feeling that you know the students that that understand or have a strong why and understand it mm. are the ones that really last long in training. You know, some of the others kind of like came for a little bit and then woof, disappear. You know? Yeah, the excitement goes and then they leave here. So can I ask just one more thing about that? So can you do that even on kind of like a, um, on the level at the moment, like some people are thinking about now as some, I mean, it depends how things play out, but the restrictions are easing in, in many states and people are thinking about, well, I've been stuck indoors with the kids or something for three months and I'm thinking about going on a trip. Maybe I'll try and go to the mountains. Maybe I'll go to the beach. Maybe I'll go and visit my parents in Florida. You know, whatever it is. Um, is it mm -hmm. prudent for them people to do this kind of exercise for the place where they're thinking of going, the intervening places in between. For example, you know, I have a friend who lives in Texas um, who's moved there like six months ago. I haven't had the chance or the time or the opportunity. And I'm like, well, the kids are off school. Things are going on. Maybe it might be a good chance to go with him. He's been like socially isolated and all that kind of stuff. So I don't think there's a COVID threat from staying at his house with him. And I know a couple of people have done the same thing. A, a friend from here drove up to Minneapolis to stay with their friends there for like a month just because they've got other kids to play with and they made their own little social isolation bubble. Um, but then he's in Minneapolis, right? And Minneapolis has become this new hotbed for riots oh, and yeah. everything that's going off. So he's like, yeah, when I assessed it, when I thought about driving up here, it seemed like a good idea. And then they abruptly were like, Ooh, coming back, it wasn't quite so much fun. So for me, thinking about going to Texas, I don't think there's a lot of trouble where he is and it's fine, but there's intervening states that I would have to stop off at and go through, which I probably don't want to be doing. And even if I do, it won't be fun with two kids in the car. I would just want to gun through them as quickly as possible. And, like, and gunning in a car for 12 hours with two small kids is not fun. Part of, the, part of the fun is the journey. So I'm thinking that's not going to be a fun trip because of the intervening places that I won't be able to stop at and enjoy, right, and that kind of thing. So is it worth people doing that as they think about travel as well, like ahead of the things? So I'm very happy, Glenn, that you brought this up. Absolutely, by all means, right? So mm. part of your methodology now is once you have this mindset and you're doing this because you understand the importance of this, because your why is to be safe in this mm. case, right? So absolutely, if you're going to go and take a vacation in, I'm going to throw out Aruba, whatever, right? Yeah. You do the same thing for Aruba. Mm. Zoom in, right? What region, what part of the world, what things happen there? You know, how do I call for help in these type of places? Who's going to help? You know, 
yeah. response that way. All these things, right? And then zoom into your hotel and then start, it's all about planning, right? I can mm. tell you that you can do that for any type of trip you're going to do. I can actually, actually share with you that, you know, since 2011, I've been with my company, we've been um, helping Team USA, one of our clients in, in their international mega events. And we help them increase or boost the, the prevention capabilities of, of Team USA when yeah. they go abroad. Mm. We're talking about Pan American, uh, European and, and the World Cup. Yeah. Um, the soccer so teams actually, are the Team USA soccer team? No, no. We have a variety of uh, sports in there. Team oh, okay. USA, USA. Okay, as a whole. Okay. Yeah. Team USA for the for the Pan American Games or the European gotcha. Games and for the World Cup. Okay. So you have all types of sports. But we do this exactly the same exercise. You know, part of the security planning, and this is a little bit off track, but to plan an event like that, there's many moving parts, et cetera. But when it comes to our mission, there's something very important, which is the, the, the advanced trip. And part of the advanced trip is precisely to do this that I just described when it comes to Team USA. You know, when, from the minute they leave the U.S. airports to the U.S., to, to the airports abroad, then from there they go to the hotel, from there they go to training, from there they go back to the hotel, they go to an opening ceremony, then they have games in different venues, then they have, you know, parties. And it's our job as uh, security professionals to understand every single place Team USA uh, athletes and coaches and staff are going to be visiting, mm. understand the risk level in those places, and then we make decisions. Okay, mm. you know what? Don't go to these places. Go to those, or you need extra protection here. So it yeah. all boils down to this type of um, risk assessment that we talked about, right? So gotcha. it's that's, actually called vulnerability. Yeah. So that's excellent. That's, I love how practical that is. That's, it's great, you know, that you can go through a system. And so, so you said you're happy for people to get in touch with you if they um, want to kind of help with that, or you can, like, even if it's not for a big organization, just on a personal level, like one to one for training or something well, like that. Proactive and prepared.com or systemmiami.com. And, and one thing that you just reminded me here, um, going back to the, the old uh, sages in different cultures, right? So I think it was Sun Tzu hmm. that has a really interesting. Um, writing and he when he goes that if you protect the west the east will be vulnerable if you protect the east the west will be vulnerable if you protect the north the south and vice versa mm -hmm. basically he says if you try to protect everything everything will be vulnerable right and that is because in today's world and and throughout time we have limited resources so mm -hmm. we really have to understand vulnerability and we have to prioritize what it is that we're doing and it all starts with the why basically so going back to our Mm. Kind of like closing the circle full circle so you Great. can't protect everything so choose your be wise <laughs> right. be selective nice yeah. so um so can you just tell us um, before we go can you tell us a little bit about um what you've been up to i've, I've saw a couple of posts that you did on facebook about the seal fit challenge that you've been um taking on can you tell us a bit about that and what uh, what that's what that benefits and who it's for yeah 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 so that's um so i'm actually about to embark in a in a very large project like very very large which we'll keep for now um discreet okay yeah. uh, you will all know about very soon yeah it's gonna affect every part of my life um and so i thought that doing the seal fit challenge which i'll talk to you about in a minute ago this is like a great way to jump start my you know warrior mindset and get prepared for the missions ahead mm. plus it was also of course uh, really good to brush off a little bit of rust and lose some weight and overall get healthier. Lose that COVID-10. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then the other yeah. the other great cause also was um, that really, you know, triggered me to say, okay, I'm doing this. It is that um, they actually, so there's a whole fundraising part 
associated with that. You know, June is um, PTSD Awareness Month. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they are actually, there's something called the Courage Foundation led by Mark Devine. Mm. And uh, so part of this challenge is actually to help raise funds for, you know, for our veterans, our yeah. warriors who are coming back home with, uh, you know, post-traumatic stress disorders and other yeah. problems. And, you know, this is the least we can do to say thank you and, and hopefully help them in, in some way, shape or form. So they're mm. doing a great job. So a little shout out here, if, you know, if you go to my Facebook um, and you see the post, please do make a contribution. Anything helps. Great. Um, we we're trying to raise 540. And a few hours after the post, we were at $2,000. Wow, know? that's amazing. So, my, so the new goal is now 3600 and I have another five weeks to do it. So hopefully we can reach that and help a lot of veterans. So please do that. And the Seal Fit Challenge, I have to tell you, it's, um, it's amazing uh, in, in one word, right? Um, so Mark Devine is a, is a former Navy SEAL commander. Sure. Um, and uh, a really, really interesting guy. He's... Um, been through a lot in life and he's actually also the author of uh, an amazing yep, book that actually mind. had yeah. a big impact on me, Unbeatable Mind. And he now has a new book called uh, Staring Down the Wolf, mm. which is all about, you know, really alignment, right? We were talking about the why. So he's all about like alignment and having the courage of doing what you believe in and respect and growth and excellence and the power of service and becoming sheepdog strong. So mm. SealFit Challenge is really a, um, you know, they have in, in the SealFit Academy, they have uh, different programs. Some are, and of course, this was typically physically, right? Mm. Today's day, they adapted as good warriors to, to the situation and they're doing it now online. Mm. So this is a six-week um, challenge where it's really a physical, a mental um, challenge, right? And and a health challenge because they, they guide you through physical exercises, you know, coming from the seals is mm. not a piece of cake. I can tell you that. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> very, hum- very humbling. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, really good uh, for your, for your mindset and for forging that, that, um, you know, warrior mindset and brushing off the rust, like I was saying, and, and, and showing you a mirror of how weak we can become mm. when we stop training for a little bit. Right. Sure. Um, so, yeah. yeah, so there's a whole, guidance when it comes to 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 you know there's one daily workout which is led by mark himself or some of his great coaches yeah then there is a um there's a nutrition part to it so eating Mm -hmm. well etc and they guide you through that and then of course there's a whole it's mostly the the mental issue right there's a lot of um, um conversations and videos on on basically the the unbeatable mind world you know the physical emotional intuition kokoro like they say mm. mental toughness emotional resiliency mm. managing stress which is great for now and yeah. the great thing about it is that they they have also um what they call you know he was a seal so it's all in naval um lingo so they have a sure. uh, swim buddy you have you, mm. you need to have a swim buddy yeah and a boat crew okay and that all boils down to accountability so it's not just okay here are my exercises done yeah. But you have someone who's saying, hey, Glenn, did you do your work today? Sure. Oh, yeah. You know, it was, no, not yet. I feel like, come on, you can do it. And, you know, so you, so you so get a buddy, uh, si- buddy system and social support. Ways like yeah. Buddy system, exactly. Yeah. And mm-hmm. some, you know, and they help you also, you know, it's, it's easier always to do it as a team. So, so, and, so uh, how do people get involved? So one way they can get involved is to sponsor somebody already doing it, like yourself, right? And But they people can also sign up to do it themselves and raise money. Is that right? Or, or? Uh, yes, I believe so. So this yeah. was, uh, uh, um, so I decided I was doing this 
on June 1st, which is my birthday. Yeah. <laughs> this is my, my 46 um, present to myself, right? To go nice. through this, uh, this grinding uh, exercises with <laughs> Mark Devine. But it's actually really, I'm really happy that I did it, um, that I'm doing it. And uh, so, yeah, so I, I think there's, they do these challenges every now and then. I don't, I'm not sure what the next one is, but you can check it out. I'm sure you can find it somewhere. Excellent. But um, yeah, so really, really interesting. It's, you know, it's all about humility and growth, right? So nobody knows it all. Mm. I understand that we're, you know, always a student, sometimes a teacher and really about being kind to other people. You know, there's maybe as a, as a way to, as a, as a closing thought, you know, I, I watched yesterday one of Mark Devine's videos and he brought out a quote from someone who I don't remember mm. who had something that was really interesting. He said, it's never too late to be the person you might have been. Mm. Think about that. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Excellent. You know, so if not now, when? Yeah. So, you know, it's like a call to action. Yep. Know your why and go out there and do it. You know, no excuses. Excellent. Excellent, man. Well, well, you're uh, you're living a inspiration and a and a wealth of knowledge in in giving people the tools that they need to go out and do these things. Right. Sometimes I feel like people have some of the motivation to do things, and then they feel like they haven't got the tools. And sometimes they've got tools, but they got the wrong motivation. But your emphasis on getting people to understand themselves, getting to them to understand their why, and then actually providing physical tools, whether it's through technon tactical and the training stuff that you do, or through Systema classes, or through the podcast, it's it's great to see somebody who gives people a roadmap and a blueprint and and concrete steps that they can take. Right. It's it's all good to. You know, rattle off kind of um, rattle off in- inspirational quotes on Facebook. But if you haven't got a roadmap to get there, I think that's a, it's a difficult thing for people to get hold on. So I, I love the way you approach things and you say, okay, let's let's look at the big picture. Let's break this down. Let's see what we can do right now. And through it all, let's stay aware. Let's try and cultivate that stillness of mind and heart and and be decent, good people along the way. And and you know, try and remember that you don't know it all. Absolutely, none of us do. But um, but I feel like I know a bit more today. Haven't spoken to you, so that's great. And listen, it doesn't come. It doesn't come easy. And I have a really really long road ahead of me. Right, I'm just getting there. And you know, sure. turning forty six, I'm starting to understand a little bit better that mm. I haven't. But it just brought me back to another good quote from the Japanese. I don't know mm-hmm. who said that one, but one of them said. Fall seven times, stand up eight, right? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so as long as we're learning and we're moving forward and we're getting stronger and better and, you know, becoming better people, I think that's the yeah. the aspiration. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get there at some point. Excellent. And, you know, through, again, one of the good things about of, of this whole process that I'm going through right now is really understanding also the, the power of the team, right? So yeah. on that note, you and, you know, all these other great Sistema instructors and, of course, our teachers – Vlad and Mikhail, and, you know, it's just a really great family to be, you know, uh, going through this experience and just growing, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, Real, man. Well, thank you so much once again for taking the time. This was great. I think there's so much practical stuff in here in addition to the knowledge you've given over. And um, and so those links, I'll post um, links on the website for how people get, uh, oh, sorry, with the show notes for how people get in touch with you through your website, through Technical Tacti- Tactical, where they can find those YouTube links for the webinars um, that you did. I'm sure people are really going to want to uh, look at those, myself included. Um, and thanks so much for providing those and making them available. It's very generous of you to you know give this up as a resource to people so that they can, they can learn along the way too. Thank you, Glenn. And again, thank you and kudos for this amazing podcast. Oh, thank you, my friend. I hope to see you again very soon. Hopefully in person. Yeah. Bye. Take care. Thanks for listening. 
If you'd like to find out more about classes, workshops, and seminars at NC Sistema, please visit us online at www.ncsistema.com. Thank you.